sponsored by Create Curate, easy-to-use website templates designed on Squarespace for entertainers. Unlike an old-school headshot and resume, a website portfolio will help you create opportunities, build an audience, promote yourself, and grab the attention of casting directors while setting you apart from your competition so you can book more gigs. Every Squarespace website template comes with the Create Curate course that walks you through the entire process of creating your content and curating your website from start to finish. These step-by-step video tutorials, guides, and checklists take away the confusion and the frustration of DIYing your website so you can go from a struggling artist to an in-demand entertainer online. Get 15% off any website template from now through Cyber Monday 2020 with code SWEET15 at createcurate.com. That's 15% off with the code SWEET15 at C-R-E-8-C-U-R-E-8.com. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Sandra Colton Medici. Tune in every Thursday to satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth. Follow on Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra Podcast and Sandra Colton Medici. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sweet Bites with Sandra. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Bites with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Sandra Colton Medici, and this is the premiere episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra. I am so happy. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. If you are listening to this or watching this on the the video version, make sure that you take a seat, grab your favorite drink, whether that's a smoothie or coffee, or if this is like you're a night owl and you're up partying and this is like your late night jam, I am here with you, and this is going to be so much fun. I have been thinking about doing a podcast for a little bit. And if you notice in the background, if you're watching this, this is my daughter's artwork. (laughs) So this is my home studio. So if you've thought about doing something from home and you didn't know exactly how to get started or didn't think it was possible, this is living proof, honey, that it is possible. I am doing this podcast from my living room. We set it up, and I am so excited to bring you digestible bites of digital goodness, interviews that are inspiring, and a little motivational talk that I feel like with some of my background in entertainment that you will definitely, hopefully, take heart some of the things that I have learned along the way and be able to implement you know, different parts of those things into the daily aspects of your life. I feel like there are so many points in my life that are really, really funny. (laughs) And maybe I just think I'm funny. Uh, But I really feel like some of the stories that I'm going to share with you are really funny. And some of them are super inspiring. And some are sad. But I feel like everything that I have gone through in this life, you know, I'm going to just put it out there. It is part 
fun entertainment in part every door slamming in your face. So I want you to know that every door that closes, there is a window or something that is going to open for you. And this podcast, I just want to make sure that you understand from the get-go that it's all about you and your moving from one point A to the next point B. And I'm just here to support you in that. So I wanted to say a little bit more about me so that you get an idea of who you're talking to, (laughs) or I should say who you're listening to. So I am a former pro dancer turned author educator. My background, I have danced uh, on some of the biggest stages in the world. I have toured with Rihanna as a backup dancer. I was a former Laker girl. I am the author of three books. One is called Book Me, How to Become a Successful Working Dancer in Hollywood. I also created the Book Me Workbook. And I just most recently published a book called Passion Pipeline. And I'm so excited to share some of those experiences as an author and as a publisher. I published three different magazines. One is called Original Girl, another is called Dance Track, and the other was called Dance Team. I sang backup for uh, Catherine McPhee on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, in addition to singing backup for Paulina Rubio on Jay Leno in Spanish. So there are a lot of things in my work past that I definitely will be sharing with you, in addition to digital marketing tips, because I am also a course creator. I created a course called Course Sweetener. And yes, I love the word sweet. And so that is a course that uh, teaches individuals who want to put a course online how to do it. I went to the University of Oregon and um, cheered there for four years. I also got two degrees from the University of Southern California, uh, my master's in communication management and a doctorate of education in organizational change and leadership. On my dissertation, I focused on e-commerce marketing strategies and targeting online consumers. I have two kids. <laughs> I have a one-year-old named Chloe, and I have a three-year-old named Julia. And my husband is Anthony, and he is from France. So you'll probably hear me talking a little bit about them from time to time, just some fun stories uh, here and there. And so for me, I will sprinkle throughout the, the episodes to come some of my entertainment career highs and lows, but also some great and fun stories will come from just the interviews that we have with special guests. And I hope that you enjoy every single episode. So let's get to it. So I want to give you a little bit of the lay of the land as to how every episode is going to be flowing and what you can expect. So because this is the premiere episode, I'm extremely excited to just give you, you know, obviously I just gave you a little bit of information about myself, but I wanted to let you know that you can be part of every single episode. We have a call-in segment (laughs) that I am so excited because people actually called in before the episode to leave questions. And so we're going to take one of those questions and answer that today. In addition to having digital marketing tips that are actionable, you can take them into your business and just run with them right away. And then we also have in another segment, an inspirational interview. And generally speaking, there there will be business leaders, potentially celebrities from entertainment, from non-entertainment, so that you can kind of get more of an idea of how people have gone through their careers 
and maybe had to pivot, maybe had to shift, maybe had to readjust what they were doing in order to get to that next place. And I'm really excited for the interviews that we have coming up and specifically the one for today. Uh, Natalie Hapgood is going to be our premiere episode interview. So just get ready. She is the head of strategy uh, at Revelation, and she is so full, chock full of information that is so good for every single person. Even if you think you know it all, just listen, because I feel like she delivers it in a way that is digestible and is just you can just take that goodness with you no matter if you've been in the game for a long time or if you're just starting out and the third part the third part which is so mm, mm, mm. oh i love this part because my husband asked me he said you know why do you want to do a podcast and i said well because i think that i have a lot of information that people you know might want to know and and he said well what are you going to talk about and i said well i'm going to talk about everything that i like <laughs> And he was like, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to talk about, you know, e-commerce and digital marketing and, you know, online courses and and email marketing and influencer marketing. And I'm going to talk about publishing and I'm going to talk about, you know, writing. And and he's like, so what are you going to call it? (laughs) And I said, I don't know, everything I like to talk about. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, that's a good name. That's a good name. Well, so that name did not happen (laughs) or else you'd be listening to the Everything I Like to Talk About podcast. So this podcast is called Sweet Bites with Sandra because one of the other things that I really love is sweets. (laughs) And I'm just putting it right out there. I love dessert. Okay. And... I hope you do too, because we're not just going to talk about dessert. We're going to talk about foods that will bring people together. And that's really what the sweet bite is all about. It's about that bite of information that you can take with you and share it and make it part of your your business life in addition to having a sweet reward. That is just amazing. I want everyone who finishes each episode to have something with them that you can take, whether it's the idea of creating a baked good for yourself and enjoying it, or making it and taking it as part of some sort of event. So maybe it's breaking bread with your family, or it's taking something to a work-related event, taking that sweet bite and making it a conversation piece and just having that communication and community. That's really what the Sweet Bites with Sandra is about. So I hope that you stick with me for the rest of the episode. We are so ready. I don't know if you're ready, but I'm ready. So we're going to start off with just some digital marketing tips that what I like to call your brand voice. If you don't have one, let's work on it. (laughs) Because when we think about brand voice, I think about the key elements and the signature piece of a brand voice. And that means you need to unlock your analytics gene right? You need to identify deliberate words and word choices to make sure that your brand voice is unique. And then you need to implement those into your brand voice and through your visual storytelling. Okay, so when I think about discovering key elements to my signature brand voice, that means that my brand voice needs to be consistent and it has to be unique. So Make sure that when you are coming up with something that is going to be an overall message, okay, that it is concise and that you have a mission. You have something, some sort of values that you stand on. You need to make sure that 
when you put out that brand and your voice is amplifying your message that you don't just fall off. You don't just have like a one-time weekly message that you're like, ah, that was cool for one time. (laughs) But, you know, I think we're going to switch it up the next time. You need to be consistent, be unique, and have a concise message and mission. So when you're unlocking your analytics gene and you're using that to identify deliberate word selections that brands often use, you need to do your research, okay? So red line, circle it out, all the repetitive phrasing that you hear brands use. Okay, and then you need to narrow it down to your niche. So once you can do those things, your research, your redlining, and you're narrowing it down, then you'll be able to move on to what I like to say is implementation of your brand voice through visual storytelling. And that means through photography, text on video, utilizing shareable content, meaning like IG stories, even LinkedIn has stories right now, Facebook stories, and then utilize your branding to make that visual storytelling come to life throughout an entire series of what you're using for your business. So that means through logos, taglines, quotes, all of those things need to have a consistent message, but it also needs to come to life. You need to bring that to life through your visual storytelling. So just to kind of wrap up those portions of how you use your brand voice, discover your elements to your signature brand voice, unlock your analytics gene, identify those deliberate words that brands use that are really catchy, and implement your brand voice through visual storytelling. Now let's listen to one of the phone calls that we had from a listener. Hey, this is Thomas in California. I'm having trouble figuring out what to write in my emails to my customers. I feel like I've run out of things to say. Have you run into this writer's block? Thank you. Thank you so much, Thomas, for asking that question. I know that a lot of listeners probably have similar stories about having writer's block. The thing that I want to tell you is when you have writer's block, you need to talk it out. That is the solution that I have found really, really helps. So if you are, you know, pen and paper, you know, I've got my pen with my paper right here in my notebook and I'm writing things and I'm like, ah, I can't, I can't, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to do. Where, where are my creative juices going? Why are they, why have they stopped? There are so many times that that has happened to me. And I know that those things have happened to you as well. Talk it out get on the phone, talk with a friend. If you have somebody that's your partner that lives with you, have a conversation because if you are verbalizing your ideas or even trying to talk about just the the fact that you don't have anything more to say, sometimes that sparks things, right? And the other thing is, which I did with my book, Passion Pipeline, I spoke it into my phone and I used the dictation little portion into the notes section and you can do the same thing. You don't just have to sit in silence, right? You can talk to yourself, but record it because if you record it, you might go back and find some really amazing gold in the middle of your rant or your your random session in your in your recording. So talk it out. That's my best piece of advice for anyone who's experiencing writer's block, or if you're trying to be a content creator and you just don't have any more ideas, the second thing you can do is ask your audience what they want to see more of. 
because that will give you an idea for what you should do next. And the best thing you can do is engage with your audience and know exactly what they want more of. So those are my two pieces of advice for you, Thomas, and also for everyone else who might be experiencing that sort of like, I don't know what to do. I don't have any more uh, creativity going on. My, my juices have stopped flowing that way, and I don't know what to write or I don't know what to create. Talk it out and ask the question. If you have a question that you would like answered on Sweet Bites with Sandra, the podcast, feel free to call 401-216-5059, leave a voicemail, and you too could be featured on the podcast. Are you an online course creator like me? <laughs> well, I use Kajabi for my course. It's called Course Sweetener, and I have found them to be extremely helpful. Everything all in one. And in order to find them, make sure to head over to my software solutions page on my website. You can go to www.sandracoltonmedici.com forward slash software dash solutions. Welcome back to Sweet Bites with Sandra. I am so excited to have with me the wonderfully talented and crossing over many borders, <laughs> um, Natalie Hapgood. She is the head of strategy, am I right, at Revelation? Yep, that's right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. So you have had a lot of different experiences in your career from working with artists like Diplo and, you know, just crazy talented people. And now you've transitioned into kind of a whole new field. So can you talk about what you're doing right now in the realm of strategy, content marketing, digital media? Yeah, I, you know, I put a lot of thought into what I wanted to do. You know, music was such a huge part of my life. I spent you know, well over 10, 12 years in the music business. And then I thought about, you know, I loved all parts of it, the creative people that I worked with, the business people, like it's a fantastic industry. And I think of them often, especially now during COVID, people that are in the live entertainment space, you know, hopefully we can have that bounce back. But um, I thought about, you know, what is it specifically that I love in music? And what I really loved was making the music videos and making the content. It was just always like the most creative, the most fun. And then I kind of really liked the intensity of like the production piece of it. You know, there's the budgets, but then when you're on set and you have to make decisions as to how that's going to go. So I thought, well, let me take that skill that I have, you know, being able to manage these like really big budget music videos and turn that into something that we can make content for brands. And that's when I pivoted to working at Revelation. And that's, you know, we do many things, but one of the key things that I'm involved in is making that content for brands, but it's always rooted in the data and the insights which is another talent that I garnered in the music business because you're always looking at your Spotify, Apple dashboards. You want to know exactly, you know, where the music is popping up, who's resonating, who's listening. So I sort of transitioned that skill over as well. Well, so you are not originally from the U.S. So how did it feel coming from South Africa? I know everybody probably heard the accent. So um, how did it feel coming from South Africa? And, and, you know, what were some of the emotions that you had, you know, through that whole experience? Well, I was, I was probably 23. I mean, it was sort of part of it is kind of what you did. Like you went to school, you went to college and then you traveled. So I sort of did that. And I think generally people from South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, they go travel and they'll go for like a year or so. Cause you're so far away from the rest of the world, especially this was like 20 years ago. You know, it's like when you go, you, you get your one way ticket there and then you got to make it happen. So I traveled a little bit around um, Europe and then I came to the States and I was really just looking for adventure. I just wanted to just, 
I don't know, see the world, just be free. It was, it was just so fun. I still have this vivid memory of being on a plane, crossing the ocean, getting ready to land in New York with my Lonely Planet New York book. <laughs> Probably dating myself here like um, terribly, but you know, just like ready for adventure. And I knew, it was a typical immigrant story. I knew no one. I had a backpack. I had probably about 500 bucks and I'd secured myself a job upstate at a summer camp being a lifeguard. And I had two weeks in the city before I had to report for duty. And I just fell in love with New York city. And it's really been the love of my life. Like I'm still here <laughs> all these years later. Well, so did you report to work? Did you go to the lifeguard camp or did you do yeah, that? Yeah, okay. I did that for the summer and that was wonderful. Upstate, in the, like near Bear Mountain, not near the Catskills. And it was just so wonderful. I met so many amazing people. Got sort of my introduction into like real American culture. Because you sort of grow up with it when you're outside of the country. Like there's so much if used in your understanding of American culture, TV, music, film, it's everywhere, right? But then you're in the culture, there's so much more to learn. And I just, I just fell in love with that. And I think New York specifically, the character of New Yorkers, and uh, it was just appealing. It still is. Yeah. Well, so when you think of kind of that infusion of, of, of culture, how do you, as a content strategist and a creator, what do you think is the hardest part of, of your daily work? I think, you know, for my position specifically, it's really looking at what's going to resonate with your viewers or you know the people that you want to talk to so a big part of what I do now is we I always am a fan of using the data and the insights so it takes the guessing game out of it because you're working with clients money you don't want to waste that money sort of like oh I think this is cool let me give that a shot so you want it to be rooted in something real and that can be you know primary research so interviews and surveys etc and it can also be secondary research which is you know white papers that have been written or surveys that have already been done. There's lots of different ways you can get that info. And then the hardest part is really distilling that into a few key insights that you really feel like are going to resonate. And often also with my internal team, and we'll look at like the options that I've presented to them. And then we'll figure out like, okay, these, these ones really work. And then we'll go and make the content around that. But that takes a couple of steps. So it's not just the research and the work. You get the insights and you get the data I have to have an opinion as to what I think works and I have to be able to back it up. Then I have to get the internal team to buy in and I have to be flexible to hear their feedback as well. And then once that's done, we have to get the client to buy in, right? So there's like all these steps internally before you can even just do the work. It sounds like it's a little bit of sales at the same time. I feel like you have to really believe in what you're putting out there because if you're putting so much of yourself into all of these, you know, steps that you get to from concept to completion, you have to really be behind the product. So when you're thinking about some of the things that you've done, what do you have as far as best practices or solutions that you found that really work for you when you're taking all of this data? Data for a lot of people is really scary. They're not a researcher necessarily. Like for me, I got my doctorate. I totally get it. I'm analytical. I'm in that, you know, I'm in the deep end, right? And a lot of people just don't go there. They're they're a content creator because they're creative. You know, they want to do that whole thing. But then how do you pull in that other side, that analytical side to really be able to say, okay, well, if I create this magnificent piece, you know, does that really address my outcomes? Like, is it going to hit the the notations that I need it to hit? You know, what are some best practices for people who are not data-driven, but really are creators? Well, I think the the misconception is that data is sort of numbers, right? And that it's like very dry to look at. The challenge, I think, is once you get better at looking at the numbers, the story actually pops out right at you. So you can see when, for example, if I'm looking at my music dashboards back in the day when I was in the music business, 
And I would be able to see something, you know, there's a static line and then there's a pop-up somewhere or there's a growth that increases over time. That's the story that I have to then, why is that happening? What did we do in that market? What was the feedback? Do we have a promotion that I don't know about? Do we have a promotion I did actually put in place and it's working? And then the other piece of it is that data isn't actually just about numbers. So data for you, if you're a content creator, what is your community saying? What are they reacting to? What is their feedback? You know, who else are they following? That's all data and insights. That gives you the opportunity to learn about what it is they care about and then be able to make content to speak to that. Well, so what do you see as as one of the things that is kind of a key to creating a winning partnership because you are creating these, you know, campaigns and whatnot for, for brands or products, but what is the key to having that great working relationship or, or even knowing like, you know, I really work well with these types of brands. Well, I think the most successful partnerships I've had have really been around great communication and transparency. So being able to, if you're late on a deadline, Tell them that you're going to be late and tell them why. You'll find that you'll, if you're ahead of it, it's so much better than you sort of trying to scramble last minute or squeeze it in under the finish line at the end, you know, because then they, you might even get the response of like, that's okay, Monday's fine. You know, so communication is key. Transparency as well, like I'm having difficulty doing something or you always want to protect your team. So if there's some sort of hiccup internally, you want to make sure that that's not the message you're sending, but rather we have to get a couple things in line, you know, just communicate clearly and just be honest about what's, what's going on. And I think you get a lot of leeway from clients for that. And the same on the, on the flip side of the positive, some positive stuff. If, if things are going well, tell them why, tell them how, tell them what happened, um, let them share in the joy and let them, what I've also found works really well is your point person, whether it's the manager of an artist or your client within the company that you're working for. If you can see those good bits of information to them so that they can just turn it around and tell their team, it's just going to help their cause. It's going to make your client look great because they know exactly what's going on. They're getting updated frequently as to you know the good things that are happening. And um, it builds trust as well, which is obviously one of the most important things. Exactly. Well, so I know that obviously, you know, people have been in your life as far as coming before you in different positions, but do you have a mentor that you reach out to or that you've worked with, or do you mentor other people? Well, I've been lucky that I I haven't had a mentor per se, but I've had a lot of people along the way who have helped me, have guided me. And then I always look for people who are really good at something and try to like understand how it is that they do that and how I could sort of strengthen my skills to to do that. And that's been from the very beginning. And I think for women, I often, especially in the music business, it's so, so male dominated was look to women to see who I could sort of, how do they get to their position? You know, I realized early on that there's this myth that like women need to be ball busters to sort of make it, you know, make it to the top. So I would look for women that were sort of more, I realize that's not me. I'm not going to be that sort of ballsy, brash woman. And I don't think a lot of women really gravitate towards that. If you're that way, then that's awesome. That's, that style works for you. But I would look to more sort of how does someone who's more soft-spoken actually still command themselves with authority? And like, you know, just sort of pieces from that, from, from women that I respected and admired. And the same for the men I've worked with who take time to mentor uh, people. And I don't think it's sort of always as formal as like you're being mentored now, but, you know, someone who just takes the time to speak to you and work through problems and stuff with you. And that's something that's very passionate. Uh, like I care passionately about in mentoring younger staff that I work with that are on my team, you know, just taking a moment to check in with how they feel, 
when I see them do something, because the benefit of experience is that you can see those red flags way further down the road, right? So you can sort of get ahead of it to help, to help navigate, like, this may happen. If that happens, what would you do? Okay, my recommendation is this or that. You know, sort of just hold their hand a little bit until they gain the confidence to run themselves. Nice. Well, so what is something that you've seen be the biggest change since the beginning of your career? I mean, in the music business, it was the, the advent of streaming for sure. You know, and then even just in the last few months, it's the advent of touchless payments and curbside pickup. And, you know, so I'd say over the course of my career, it was really streaming coming to play and just actually real time watching the music business transition from like CDs to streaming, which I'd only read about in the transition from like records to CDs, et cetera. <laughs> right. So this time I was living through one of those transitions. And then now in the last year, it's been really amazing how quickly you know, consumer behavior changes slowly over time, except when there's a global pandemic <laughs> and everybody needs to now be able to and wants to not have to, you know, pull out their credit card and touch a bunch of buttons to pay for something. So Google sign up, Google Pay, Apple Pay, et cetera, being able to shop online, curbside pickup, all of those things I just mentioned. So that's been pretty amazing, actually, to work with our clients to really like push forcefully ahead during the last couple of months to get them to a place where they can actually sustain their business given all these new tools and customers are coming along because they want that too. Exactly. Well, so tell our listeners just something very interesting. It could be funny. It could be terrifying. It could be inspiring of one of the projects that you've been working on, whether it's at the particular place that you work right now or even prior companies where it was just one of those stories that you took with you that you can tell our listeners. It can be terrifying if you want. <laughs> I have, I mean, you know, it, but working in the music business, I was so lucky that there were these moments where I was like, wow, this is my life. And there was one moment in particular, because I just, I didn't put too much thought into this. I thought, I'm just going to go with the first thing that pops into my head. And it was Lollapalooza a couple of years ago and Eminem was headlining and they cleared out the whole backstage. So backstage, there's often like the people in the business, artists, et cetera, like, you know, but they cleared it all out at Eminem. And somehow my friend and I knew the tour manager for another major artist and he like knew the guys. And so we were backstage when they cleared everybody out. So I had this moment where I was standing with one of my very good friends watching Eminem, the only people backstage in front of like thousands and thousands of people. And I just remember like, wow. And I, I wouldn't even say I was like a huge Eminem fan, but once I saw him perform live that close, I mean... It was really incredible, his energy, and you understand why he's the artist he is. So that, that was just like a, you know, I just thought of that moment popped in. And then the other time I served Mick Jagger tea, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> Does he like it a certain way or? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember that because I was just like, wow, my dad would be like, my dad would flip out right now. But I was working on a soundtrack for Road to Exile, which is a documentary that they had done. And I was like, this is so surreal. Wow. So like moments like that where you're sort of like, oh, okay. So I, I always, I still look for those moments. I mean, even now making content for brands, there's things that I always try to find things that excite me because if I can find things that excite me, I know that I'll be able to connect with whoever we're trying to sell to in an authentic way. Exactly. Well, so I have to ask you because you've been in certain analytical conversations. So what is the one thing that every content strategist, the metric that we should all be looking for that matters the most? Because everybody tells me something different. So, <laughs> so 
So I kind of, I'm asking everyone, what, what is it? Is it the, is it the shares? Is it the likes? Is it the, uh, you know, the engagement, the posts, the comments, like what is, what is the one that matters the most right now? I mean, I would never ever put myself in that. It's the one thing that matters box, to be honest. I'm always about the holistic picture. I think it matters about like, of course, how many followers you have, but engagement's always been important. Shares are super important. What are people talking about when they talk to you? So I think you have to look at that picture holistically. And that's the way you find the things that you're missing. If you just look at one analytical point, the cumulative picture is what tells you a story. And I think one of the things is sort of developing your system of how you start to to look at the data. So I think if you're an avid content creator and you're churning out stuff every day, make sure once a week you're having that time where you can just sit and look at what happened for the week. Often week over week stats are pretty interesting. So you can see what, what moves the needle, but look at everything. And then the more you know and understand about where your engagement shares, likes, et cetera, are, then you'll start to be able to identify when there's like an uptick or a bump or something unusual, and then jump on that to see how can you amplify whatever that thing is. So I think the holistic approach you have to look at everything well so my last question for you i'm so excited that you decided to join us because this is so if you're listening to this i feel like you just need to like soak up absorb everything that she is talking about my last question is who is one of the favorite one of your favorite people to work with and why um it could be a celebrity it could be a business leader it could be your mom um you know who is one of your favorite people to work with i mean Look, I've worked with Diplo, musical creative genius. What I loved about him is that he didn't really ever put himself in a box. He was super, super willing to try different things. There was always like, oh, it's house music. Now it's country music. And now it's, you know, that he would be really, really generous with up and coming artists or unproven talent. He's fearless to work with those guys. So that was awesome. But then on the business side, I've worked with a number of people who I feel really challenged what the status quo is. And it's not to say that they're doing anything really radical, but they're just able to look at something a different way, to try to create something different and then have the guts to try it. You know, obviously based in some sort of like, I think this is going to work and this is why, but those are the leaders that I generally gravitate towards. Like, let's not put ourselves in a box. Like I'll give you an example someone I worked with in the music business where everyone was like, you don't give away music for free. You absolutely don't do that. Like, you know, you're killing your copyright. You don't do that. And our sort of thought on that in my previous company was, I mean, why not? Let's give it away for free. People are going to get it anyway. So what you're doing now is you're just building a a pool of people who love and care about you. And you're going to find your hardcore fans who then will eventually actually not just buy maybe music or maybe they'll never buy music, but they'll buy tickets when we go back to live events, they will. Merch will be available, you know, the, so, so there's a lot more people to market to. So it was just like a bold stance and something that was an industry norm that they just said, let's try something different. And that's the kind of stuff that I love. And so as an attachment to that, who would you like to work with? Who's on your bucket list? <laughs> um, I don't know. I signed up for the alt MBA with Seth Godin. Cause I, I feel like people uh, really gravitate towards, you know, I've read a couple of his books. I think that would be a really, I mean, that wouldn't be working with him obviously, but learning, like I'm really big into learning. And actually that's one thing I would say to people is just, you don't have to pay for courses to, to do things. There's tons of free stuff online or affordable things. I mean, just go to Coursera or your local university or, you know, so always update your skills and, and never stop learning. But um, 
you know, I'm sort of going into, cause I was in the music business and there were tons of people that I got to work with that were, you know, really big managers or um, executives uh, and grateful for those experiences. And now I'm sort of pivoted a little bit to brand side. So I'm sort of learning and meeting a bunch of new and different people. So that's, that is interesting and still trying to figure out, you know, who I'm sure over time, you know, you get to learn, work with a lot of different people. So I look forward to that. Nice. Well, thank you so much for lending us all of your knowledge on Sweet Bites with Sandra and make sure to hop over to Extra Bite where we are going. She's been very, very gracious in giving us her time and uh, we're going to ask her a few more questions for Extra Bite. So we'll be back after this. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me. This premiere episode, I'm I'm just so grateful that we have had such a great guest today that you are going to hopefully join our community in our Facebook group. And what is really fun is coming up and that is the extra bite. So don't miss that. I wanted to just have one moment at the end of every episode to really just give you an aside from my entertainment career that I find either funny or inspiring or motivational or even terrifying at times. Um, This particular story I thought was really appropriate because I was a Los Angeles Laker girl for one season between 2002 to 2003. And I thought it was so timely because the Lakers just won. (laughs) So if you're not a Laker fan, it's okay. You can still listen to the podcast. But I definitely wanted to make sure that I told this story because to me, I've heard other people respond to this story in very positive ways. So I hope that you do as well. When I auditioned for the Laker Girls the first time, I made it through round after round after round, and it was very intimidating. When I showed up, there were ladies lined around the building, around the building. And for me, I had never worked in Los Angeles before, let alone shown up to the Lakers practice facility. And just that in and of itself was intimidating. Like, who do you think you are just showing up here? (laughs) You know, just what makes you think that you're good enough to be on this team? So for me, I, I kind of, you know, I just went in and looked around and got a little starstruck and, and, you know, and then I tried to get myself in a good headspace. And I, I did all of the across the floor combination and I, you know, did all the hip hop combination. Then I did the little jazz combination. They were making cut after cut after cut. And I kept making it, kept making it. And I was like, yes, this could be it. Right. And we got to the last part and we were all standing in one line. And I just remember being so scared so scared because this is when we had to speak, right? (laughs) And as dancers, you're just not always asked to do that because you're interpreting music, you're, um, you're living through, through the, the movement. You're not always asked to do that. And so this was the time where they were going to ask you a question, like, why do you want to be a Laker girl? And, you know, I, I'm always of the, of the moment of, Paula Abdul is my idol. (laughs) So that's kind of, it's a no brainer, right? You know, I, I've looked up to her for a long time and she's a singer, she's a dancer, she's, she's a tap dancer too. And so she's kind of like me, like I could do that. You know, I was, I'm, I, I saw her growing up and I wanted to be like her. So 
it was, it was a no brainer for my answer, but you know, you've just exhausted yourself over and over and over with every single cut getting out there on the floor, you know, in a half top and, and, you know, dance trunks and, you know, your sneakers and your, and your pantyhose and all of that. So, you know, your, your number one body on display, number two, you know, what if you can't speak at that moment? So, for me, it was it was one of those moments where I thought, my goodness, this is this is make or break. And I did a good job. I answered the question and I didn't make the cut. I wasn't asked back. And I thought, my goodness, what was it? Was it was it my hair? Was it <laughs> I had at that point I had really curly short hair. Was it my answer? I mean, they gotta like Paul Abdul, my gosh, you know, it, so probably wasn't my answer. And and so I, I went away and I wasn't called in the final call. And I, at that point, I was living in Las Vegas and I went back home and I didn't really know what to do. So I saw that there was this, uh, this job and it was go-go dancing. <laughs> I was like, I, I went from trying to try out for the Laker girls to like doing what everybody does, which is finding something that you can do in the meantime. And for for me, I had never considered go to go dancing to be part of what I was going to do. And I showed up and it was for a hotel and casino. Uh, it was Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino. And the club was Rum Jungle. And they had cages in the sky. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a bird. They were bird cages, right? And if you've ever been there, it was beautiful. It was beautiful lighting and the, you know, um, they had acrobat performances in the middle of, of, of each set for the DJ. And I mean, it was just amazing. It was, it was visually a great party experience in a club, right? So I went and, and I, I auditioned and I made it and I said, okay, I'll go, go. But then I had to do that one thing that every person like myself has to do. And I said, mom, you have to come to my first night and you have to tell me if I'm okay doing this because if at the time, you know, all of my family lived in Las Vegas. And so I didn't want one of her coworkers to walk in and be like, did you know that your daughter is go-go dancing? <laughs> did you know that she's, you know, in fishnet tights and, and knee-high boots and, you know, go-go dancing now? Guaranteed the, the outfits were not risque at all. And I was fully covered in all of the right places. So um, that wasn't my thing that I wanted her to see. I just wanted her to come in and say, I'm cool with this. <laughs> so for me, it was like, I needed that approval, even though I was an adult, like, I don't know. So I went there and I danced from, I think it was 11 p.m. until 5 a.m. I think it was six days a week for an entire year. An entire year. I made a lot of great money because go-go dancing makes a lot of great money. And you're only doing 20-minute sets. So, you know, 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off. And I got so much stamina. Go-go dancing, you just have no idea. Like, if you've ever done it, I mean, it is it is hard. It is, you know, we were being lifted, hoisted up into these cages. And when I say cage, I'm, I'm saying like they... They had room to dance in these cages. And, you know, it, it gives you a different perspective on performance, right? It gives you a perspective that not everybody is there for you. 
You know, going to a club, people are there doing whatever it is that they came there to do, whether it's to have a drink or, you know, dance on the dance floor or listen to good music or, or find their next boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is that, or celebrate, you know, it's Vegas, everybody's celebrating some sort of bachelor party, right? Or bachelorette party. So the focus is not always on you. And so as a performer, it was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to make sure that for me, I was giving the best performance because I was a performer, but to also be entertaining for guests that maybe wouldn't have looked up at the cage. <laughs> They're not looking at you, you know, to to really under, to to have that moment where you're able to pull somebody's attention from that other thing that they went there to do. That was the biggest challenge, but it taught me so much about performing. And really in show business, that if you are working on getting to one place and you get sidetracked by something else because you didn't get that first thing that you wanted, for me, go-go dancing, I, I was going to be the best go-go dancer there ever was. <laughs> I was going to be the best, the best a part of that experience for everybody's night that, the, you know, that entered that club, I was going to be that for them, right? And after that experience of doing that go-go dancing for an entire year, I went back to the Laker girls. I stood in that long line again, and I did the same thing again. I auditioned and went through cut after cut after cut, and I got to that final question, and I answered the final question, and this time I got to the interview. And that was where you actually went in and they, you know, asked you, you know, your past experience and why you wanted to do this and what you could bring to the team and all that. And I made it and I got what I wanted and I got so much else in between the two experiences. And I find that, you know, we talk about doors closing and windows opening or another door opening or some other opportunity coming into your life. And for me, that experience of not making it was just as important to my professional career as making it. And it's really about what I made from it. And I made friends, you know, go-go dancing. I improved my performing skills. I really improved my stamina. And that's something that you need when you're performing, you know, on a huge stage like you know, at a Lakers game. So for me, it was really important. The time that you use in between is just as important. You know, you don't want to squander that away is basically what I'm getting at. So I hope that you take with you just from that story, number one, that I really did get to the goal that I really wanted. And it was one of the best experiences of my life, but I also didn't get it at the first try. And so if you really want something, you go after it. If you really want something, you really show up every time. And the second time that I showed up, I was better than the first time. And I really think that that made a difference. <sighs> so now is the sweet reward. <laughs> so let's talk about extra bite. And extra bite is where I give you just the reward that you need for finishing off this episode. So number one, if you go to my website, sweetbiteswithsandra.com, you're going to see a full blog of a whole bunch of things from the episode and also from Extra Bite. 
So what is Extra Bite? Extra Bite is just that little goodness that I love to give at the end of every episode where you're going to head over to my blog and you're going to find three different things for this episode. Number one, you're going to find Bakery Lorraine. Oh my goodness. This is the most delectable. The Bacon Cheddar Scone. Now, the recipe will be there. If you want to make it for yourself, make sure that once you're done and you've made it, you send over an image. You can send it to info at sandracoltimedici.com or you can join our Facebook group and post it in the group. I would, I want to see what you make because I have seen this image. I'm going to put it on Extra Bite with the recipe, Bakery Lorraine, oh, to die for. So that is your reward is going in and making sure that you take a moment to have this sweet bite. Yes. And then the other is Beauty and the Beat. This is a brand new duo. They have a song called Raki. They're going to explain it's a Greek word, but it also has a subtitle for their new song called So Good. I thought it paired so, so well. (laughs) It paired so good uh, with Bakery Lorraine's Bacon Cheddar Scone. So make sure that as you are baking this uh, Bacon Cheddar Scone that you put on Raki so good this song because it gets you in this mood oh my goodness it's like that that kind of chill vibe that you need mm, while you're cooking because you're in that like that zone trust me that's where I go when I cook so (laughs) and then the other thing that I don't want to forget is that we're doing a giveaway So I am going to be um, asking for people to submit their bacon cheddar scone images, and I'm going to pick a winner that is going to win a $25 e-gift certificate to amazon.com. So make sure that you go in there to the blog at sweetbiteswithsandra.com and find the recipe, make it, submit your photo. You can have it like this, boop. right next to you, like you're you're doing your IG picture, your selfie with your scone, or you can just take a picture of the of the scone and then send it in and then you'll be entered to win this gift certificate. I had a great time on this episode. So I just want to thank you. I am so happy that you're here and just tell you how much I adore you and know that with everything that everyone is going through right now, I hope that you are safe and healthy. Have a happy, happy day. And I'll check you on the next episode. Swing on over to Extra Bite at sweetbiteswithsandra.com. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the premiere episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra. Tune in every Thursday to satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth with me, Sandra Colta Medici, on Sweet Bites with Sandra. Follow Sweet Bites with Sandra on Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra Podcast. You can also follow my personal profile at Sandra Colta Medici. And please join our group on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash sweet bites with Sandra. And all the time, bites is spelled B Y T E S.